Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. Every Wednesday we discuss a movie and share some fun trivia facts along the way. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. There's a couple of different ways that you can listen to the podcast. The one that you're doing right now, obviously. But also, we are now on iHeartRadio on the website and the app and some other places. You can find out information on how to hear all the past episodes at jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Well, joining me for this episode, once again, my good pal, Eric Reitz. Hi, Jason. Hi, Eric. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Always a pleasure to do the podcast with you. Looking forward to a, yet another fun-filled adventure. Yeah, and this is a great movie that you had suggested way back when, and mm. as it turns out, it's part of our two-movie tribute to the late, great Gene Wilder. Yes, Moment uh, of Silence. Yeah, so last week we discussed Young Frankenstein. Awesome, awesome movie. Yeah, I mean, one of Mel Brooks' greatest, for sure. No doubt. And this week we are, of course, are going to talk about the other iconic Gene Wilder movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory. Factory. Yes, wonderful movie mm-hmm. filled with magic, mm-hmm. imagination. Pure imagination. Pure imagination. Candy, mm-hmm. little orange people, <laughs> and Nazis. Wait a second. <laughs> I forgot about That's that. That's a teaser. Okay. I'll have that later. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh-huh. So released June 30th, 1971, stars Gene Wilder, of course, as Willy Wonka. And he doesn't appear in the movie until about 45 minutes in, mm-hmm. which is right. pretty cool. Jack Albertson and Peter Ostrom as Charlie. Directed by Mel Stewart. Book and screenplay written by Roald Dahl. Right. And there were some rewrites done by a guy. And there was a lot of controversy over that. We'll get into that as, yes. we, as we get into the podcast. Mm-hmm. Nominated for Best Music, Scoring Adaptation, and Original Song Score at the Oscars, Gene Wilder was nominated for Best Actor, Comedy, or Musical at the Golden Globes. As well he should have been. I've seen this movie at several different points in my life. Right. Me as, too. As of you. Yeah. As a little kid, you're just crazed by, oh, look at all the candy and the and bright the colors. colors. <laughs> and Yeah. It's like, wow, this is such a neat thing. And I remember at night trying to figure out, like, how did that drink make you float how could you make gum have all those flavors to it you know and i used to really really kind of obsess over it (laughs) then the second time i saw it was many years later with my wife kathy Mm -hmm. and our two boys okay that were around 10 and 7 at the time okay so seeing it you know through their eyes right it was the same thing that i you know had experienced but then i'm also looking at wow, these parents are idiots. So often the movies we talk about, adults are like well, the real say, problem. <laughs> I was going to say, movies. I think a lot of movies, probably most movies where kids are the focal point. Right. And it's really kind of a kid's movie. Yeah. The parents are usually played up to be sort of dumb and, and mm-hmm. almost irrelevant. Yeah. You know, it's almost like in the Charlie Brown cartoons where there's no adult wah, voices. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Exactly. That takes it to an extreme. Yeah. And then just last night, Kathy and I watched it. And again, seeing it kind of like through a parent's eyes with older kids and got to really mm-hmm. focus on some of the one liners and right. some of the other things. It's definitely a movie that holds up really well for me. And I've enjoyed it every time I've seen it from mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, a little bit older, and now. Yeah. Well, and I think it was cool that. The director's daughter is the one who brought the idea Mm -hmm. to do it because she said uh, back in actually in 2012, she told the Los Angeles Times that I told my father it was my favorite book and I think would make a great movie. Mm -hmm. The book is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. And then 
it was changed for the movie right. to Willy Wonka Do you know the Chocolate why? Factory. Well, I have a couple reasons, but give me yours. Okay. I read <laughs> yeah. that they changed it to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because they wanted to do a promotional tie-in with chocolate bars. Right. Right. The Quaker Company. Yeah. I the think Quaker was Company making... was the, the company that financed it. Eventually, it was sold to Nestle and so on. And now, there's still Willy Wonka candies. Right. Most of them are not chocolate. They're like nerds and runts and things like that. Yeah. I don't find Willy Wonka chocolate bars around I don't think that they, much anymore. I don't know if they make Willy Wonka chocolate bars at yeah. all, actually. It's a shame. They really yeah. should. The other idea was that, well, if you call it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. and then you go see the movie and you're talking with somebody and you say, hey, man, I just saw Charlie. Right. What does that mean? But if you say, hey, I just saw Willy Wonka, exactly. then it means something. So I think the word, of, you know, that idea of the word of mouth would just yeah. know, spread like wildfire. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So after reading the script, Gene Wilder said that he would take the role of Willy Wonka under mm-hmm. one condition, that he would be allowed to limp. Yes. Then suddenly somersault in the scene when he first meets the children. Which well, is brilliant. Yeah. Well, the director said, well, why do you want to do that? And Gene Wilder said, well, having Wonka do this meant that from that time on, right. no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. The whole time you're watching the movie, you just, you don't know. He is a super genius. I'll even make an argument that he's an omniscient supernatural being, but that, again, that could be later <laughs> on. Um, oh, wait, Willy Wonka or Gene Wilder? Willy Wonka. Oh, okay. Gene Wilder's human. Okay. But no, Willy Wonka is omniscient, all, almost all powerful. Gene Wilder was so much into the part. He He's a fashionista, at least with this, because okay. he really got into the costume. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of things he wanted was on the jacket to have large pockets. Right. Because he thought that without the large pockets, it was too much of like a feminine line. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the hat, he thought the hat was just too tall. Okay. So he suggested let's cut it down a couple inches. Okay. And you watch the movie, that's already a big hat. Yeah. So can you imagine two more inches on that? Yeah. Well, there's well the scene where they go into the room that's getting smaller. Right. The room actually did get smaller. Mm-hmm. So right. that probably would have been very difficult to film if the hat was even bigger than it was. Oh, yeah, because he was already squatting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the costume, which, of mm-hmm. course, is very iconic with the purple and everything else, yeah. sold for about $74,000 in 2012. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, now, this is the 45th anniversary this year. I wonder if it's going to go on the block. Maybe you and I can chip in our resources and buy it. (laughs) I don't think I can come up with that kind of scratch. That kind of scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about the different possible Wonkas? Yeah, there were a lot of people that were considered or that the director wanted. Yeah. So let's go down the list. Yeah, Mel Stewart, the director, Mm -hmm. apparently he wanted Joel Gray. He's done Broadway. Cabaret, I think, is his most famous role on Broadway. Right, yes. He's physically not imposing. Right. So it didn't really make sense for... I mean, you didn't want a gargantuan person for this role either. Yeah, Andre the Giant as Willy Wonka, not going to work. Not going to (laughs) work. No. Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) You can be the candy. (laughs) Not going to work. Then they offered Come here, you little Oompa Loompa. Oompa Loompa. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you with your orange skin. (laughs) Then Ron Moody. Right. Who played Fagin and Oliver. He would have been awesome. He turned um, it down, though. Right. Well, and the thing is, I think he would have been good because there was him and also Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. Actually, he was interested. Mm-hmm. But apparently he's not much of a singer. They he, could have worked around that, though. Uh, yeah, he probably could have worked it out. But it's just funny that you had you know Ron Moody and Peter Sellers, who were the original goon, well, the goon 
and then also Q, which were precursors to Monty Python. Right. So then, now you see most of the Monty Pythoners yeah. wanted to do this. Pretty much the whole cast of Monty yeah. Python. I think Eric Idle would have been great. Yeah. Because he can sing. Mm-hmm. He's got the wacky hair. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the right build. He can be funny, obviously. And he can also be, you know, scary, intimidating. But in 1971, Monty Python wasn't what it was a few years later. Right. So they weren't internationally really yeah. famous or popular. So that was the reason why none of them got the role. Right, However, yeah. all of them were considered when they remade this movie in mm-hmm. 2005, when Tim Burton did it as Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Oh, okay. And it's funny because yeah. they asked Gene Wilder what he thought of the remake. And he said okay. that he thought that Johnny Depp's portrayal was pretty good, but he wasn't a fan of Tim Burton. Right. The candy store owner, mm-hmm. you know, who wanted to play that. Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. That would have been cool, but apparently they didn't want to have a big name in such a small role that it it might kind of take away from maybe the charm of the movie. Right. But it's just interesting that that was like Sammy Davis's song. Right. That kind of became his signature song. Yeah. Yeah. I I just remember as a kid, every 70s show that he was on, that's what he sang. Yep. And it was even on Top 40. You can take a rainbow, sprinkle it with you. (laughs) The yeah, candy baby. man. The candy man, babe. The candy man, the babe. Candy man. <laughs> the two of us doing our worst uh, am, Sammy Davis Jr. Well, that's not going to be the first impersonation, <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> sure. Well, it isn't. We already did Arnold Schwarzenegger poorly. So. And, well, there you go. Yours was good. <laughs> so, a couple of things in terms of when they were filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene of Charlie running home with the golden ticket was the first scene filmed. And when, okay. when the children first enter the chocolate room and see the candy gardens, right. their reactions are real. It was their really their first view of that set. Cool. Which is probably pretty, like almost like and walking my, into Oz, you know? Yeah, it was just like for us. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine seeing that now on like the big screen surround sound or oh, something man. like that? It'd be awesome. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the change in the writing. Again, I don't know a lot about the book, but apparently the Slugworth character, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that ends up whispering into all the... First of all, how did he get that close <laughs> to all these kids with the parents right there? First of all, how did he happen to be everywhere as soon as they opened the golden ticket? That's my first point that Willy Wonka is an omniscient super being. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's my first point. Thank you. I didn't even have to make it. There you go. I mean, Again, the way he met, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit. As a parent, I'm going to let my kid get that close to a dude with a four-inch scar on his face. But then again, that just shows these parents were really not very in tune with their kids. Yeah. Think about when Charlie finds the golden ticket. He finds it by accident. He finds the coin in the sewer. Was the coin by accident or did Willie put it there? Another thing that I read was that Willy Wonka kind of mm-hmm. set it up. He wanted Charlie to find it. Oh, absolutely. And you I know. think we can make a really good case that <laughs> all the rooms that they go into is a temptation. Oh, of course. Specifically for each kid. Well, it makes sense, sure. And Willie definitely had it planned out. There's mm-hmm. no doubt he had it planned out. That, that Charlie would win. Yeah. And that goes to the reason at the end in the uh, office, mm-hmm. which you know, we'll get into that later because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just such a great crescendo scene. Oh, it's amazing. It, it's wonderful. But, you know, the original writer of the book, uh, Dahl, did not like mm-hmm. that Slugworth was made a bigger character. And a villain. 
and a villain. But he was just a competitor in the book from what I read. Yeah. But yeah, they made him into this villain in the movie. Right. But it made sense because Willie was testing them. Mm-hmm. And this was a great way to, to test them. So I thought it made great sense to have that character. Mm-hmm. The kids, by the way, mm-hmm. we shouldn't just gloss over the fact that how great these kids are in the movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. They're fantastic. Great brat acting. Yeah. And great singing. And again, they they hold up, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't watch them now and go, oh, they're just uh, precocious kids. I mean, they're, they're really good. Oh, absolutely. I like Peter Ostrom as Charlie is phenomenal. Yes. You know. He was great. I think that was his first movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know really. I think it was his much. only movie, actually. Yeah, I don't know if he's done much after that. He actually decided not to pursue acting after the movie. I was mm-hmm. reading that Peter Ostrom was in sixth grade when he read from the book for the part of Charlie in May 1970, because okay. there wasn't a script yet. In late July, he went to New York for a screen test. Several weeks later, was told that he had the role. Wow. That left his family 10 days to relocate him to Munich for five months. Oh, my gosh. And after this, he turned down a multi-picture contract because he didn't Mm -hmm. want to make acting his profession. And then he decided to become a veterinarian. And to this day, he's a veterinarian in upstate New York in Lowville, New York at Countryside Veterinary Clinic. Takes care mainly of horses and cows. Okay. The only child in the movie that still acts is right. Julie Dawn Cole, who played Veruca. So as we start going into the movie... Two things that I made a note of when watching it to okay. prepare for the podcast. First off, when Charlie's in the street and that guy with the push cart of cleavers comes up to him. What was that? How strange was that? That was really weird. First of all, what is this? A sabrette cleaver uh, car? <laughs> What's going on with that? Why, why does it's a guy a need- It's a Cutco commercial. Yeah, what the heck is going on with that? I mean, the only thing he contributed was saying people go in, but yeah. they don't come out. It was just a very bizarre thing. Yeah. One other thing I want to mention that I kind of made a mental note of, and I don't want to forget to mention it on the podcast. Why were all four grandparents sleeping in the same bed? <laughs> For 20 years! <laughs> we're watching that. And, you know, the mom or one of them just says, oh, yeah, you've been in the bed for 20 years. What? Yeah. They're what? 75 years old? They've been in there since they were 55 years old? Well, I think they're supposed to be older than that. They they never actually mentioned. All right. Let's say they're 85. They've been in bed since they were 65 years old. Yeah, it's a little odd. The stink has to be horrible. Oh, yeah. I just meant that it's weird that they're all in the same bed facing in the opposite directions. Yeah, but I think I guess because they're so poor. Exactly. How poor are you? I think, oh, hey, I'll tell you, we're so poor, <laughs> all four of us sleep in the same bed. <laughs> but I think that's it. And the, all that imagery, I mean, yeah. what a horrible little hovel they were in. Cabbage water. Cabbage water for dinner. Yeah. The mom is working yeah. in that little, that little <laughs> shack yeah. doing the laundry. I mean, it, they're building a character. I mean, you're really rooting for Charlie. Yeah. I mean, I'm laughing. It's not supposed to be funny, but it's kind of a little ridiculous. Well, that's why it goes over the top. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it's supposed to do. And I also love that the grandparents have the same. It's like Grandpa Joe, Grandma Josephine. Right. And it was Grandpa George and Georgina Georgina, or Georgette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. And I thought it was great after 20 years, Grandpa Joe's able to get out. And By the way, if you were really in bed for 20 years straight, you're not dancing around like that. No, no. (laughs) You've got some serious atrophy going on. If you're walking after 20 years, (laughs) then- You're blessed if you're walking. Right. Here again, (laughs) did Willie set that up? If he did- Yeah. That's that's some divinity right there. Okay. All right. Making somebody walk after 20 years in bed. That's right. He okay. healed the lame, right? Point number two. Okay. All right. And they'll keep coming. This um, is going to be a very interesting podcast. <laughs> Another thing with the original book mm-hmm. and the Oompa Loompas. In the book, the Oompa Loompas were like little pygmies, African pygmies. 
Okay. Okay. Thank God. Oh my God. For multiple reasons. Yes. Obviously, the first one being that, all right, this is 1970, 71. It's the tail end right. of, you know, the civil rights movement and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so great to yeah. have a bunch of little black dudes working for a white dude. <laughs> yeah, as, okay. as slaves, essentially. Right, basically as slaves. Yeah. So that's good. But for me, <laughs> I think it's it was a great call to make them, you know, orange with green hair mm-hmm. and make them you know, little people and stuff. I thought that was great because that's part of, you know, the magic, the mystique, you know, you wouldn't expect that here's a factory being run mm-hmm. by these, you know, people from a- These little Donald else. Trumps. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm the greatest Oompa Loompa that ever lived. I'm excellent at Oompa loompa Ask anybody, <laughs> believe me. Apparently, these Oompa Loompas, there were 10 of them. Mm-hmm. There were 10 actors mm-hmm. on set. They were actually quite the pranksters. Okay. They liked to, back in those days, in hotels, you could leave your shoes out, mm-hmm. and then they would be you know, polished and stuff for right. you for the next morning. <laughs> they went around, and they like collected everybody's shoes, and they tied them all together, <laughs> and they would like leave them in a pile in the lobby and stuff. Oh, wow. So there you go. I know one interesting thing that I read was that one of them was a woman. Yes. If you look very closely on the, the first song when they're all singing Oompa Loompa, mm-hmm. if you're looking at their shirts very closely, mm-hmm. you can see that she's got some Oompa Lumpas. <laughs> Thank you. I came up with that on the drive up. All right. I didn't think we were going to work boobage into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but there you have it, Isn't folks. Boobage has been worked into Willy Wonka Lumpas. and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, I am so proud of myself. Oh, my God. You should be. That that was, uh, you stuck the landing, man. That I didn't take good. too long, did I? No, that was perfect. All right. That, that was, was perfect. So now we get in and they're going to sign the paper, mm-hmm. the big contract. We already know most of these parents are goofs anyway. Right. And they have no control of their kids. Right. The one, he's like, oh, I know contracts and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. you're dealing with Willy Wonka, dude. <laughs> you're you're a used car salesman from, you know, bumfuck <laughs> Idaho. You're not getting one over Willy Wonka, you know? <laughs> no, we're going to get my lawyer to look at it. <laughs> yeah, where's your lawyer? You know, you're in England. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get back to the main room with the Chocolate River. That is the first temptation for Augustus. Yeah. He cannot control himself. Yeah, he falls into the Chocolate River. Wait, no, stop, don't. Yes. And then he ends up in the pipe. Yeah. Then we get on the Wonkatania. Yes. Right? Yeah. To go on the river. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you notice there's only enough seats for the people who are left. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. So that, that plays into your point that Reason he's got num- it all figured out ahead of time. Number three, omniscient. He knew he was going to lose Augustus at that point. Okay. Okay. Oliver Stone presents Willy Wonka. <laughs> <Willy>. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Yes. I was like, wait, what are we watching here? Is this <laughs> Willy Wonka? Conspiracy theories or? about Willy Wonka. Who oh knew? my gosh. That's great. Have you really like listened to some of the words? That Willy Wonka was saying as they're going through that oh, yeah. acid trip of a. Oh, yeah. He's saying, Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. <laughs> Are the fires of hell a glowing? <laughs> is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes, the danger must be growing because the rowers keep on rowing. You're like, Holy crap, I would have pissed myself as, <laughs> if I was on that boat. Wouldn't you? Yes, of course. You know? It's terrifying. 
And then, because, you know, then Veruca Salt's like, Daddy, make it stop. And, and then, then the visuals, like, too. Like the guy with the, the millipede or whatever going yeah. across his face. And Ooh. chopping the head off the chicken. Yeah, it was crazy. It was nasty. That was, that scene for a G-rated movie? Yeah. That's heavy, man. That was, that definitely was. Yeah. But then, boom, all of a sudden it's over. Yep. And, they, and it's a happiness again. Yeah. The director originally didn't want this to be a musical. The reason that they elected to go with a musical was because of the success of Mary Poppins. I think uh, even Wizard of Oz, too. Okay. They felt like a musical would, would have a broader reach to an audience. Okay. Not to typecast, but, I mean, women like musicals. I think for kids, too, it's probably a pretty safe bet. Going back to 1971, you either had animated films or musicals that were probably predominantly what kids went to see. Yeah, it wasn't a lo- whole lot of good stuff for kids to see back then. No, not really. And that's why I didn't go to movies. Yeah. You know, there's nothing <laughs> kind out of a there. drag. Yeah. So when Charlie finds that coin mm-hmm. and he goes and he buys his Wonka bar, mm-hmm. when he's outside and there's that big scuttlebutt going yeah. on at the newsstand, right? and we find out that the fifth ticket was a fake, right? and they make this very clear because mm-hmm. twice they show the picture of this guy. Right. The picture they're showing is actually a Nazi. Oh my God. Yes. His name is Martin Borman. Wow. Yes. What's so brilliant is that in the movie, they called him the gambler from Paraguay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he was one of those last remaining you know, Nazis that apparently were living in South America. And there were <laughs> sightings of him in the 50s and 60s. Wow. So that's how they tied all that together. His bones were actually found in Germany not too long ago. They were identified wow. through DNA. That's dark, man. Yeah, I know. That scene. Mm-hmm. When he goes in and he and he buys the scrum delicious bar or whatever, and then oh, he goes, yeah. oh, you know what? Let me get one for my grandpa too, and that's, that's the one right. that has the golden ticket in it. Yeah, which is that's actually kind of cool. That you know, yeah. in itself. But then he goes out and he has the ticket and he's holding it up, right. and all of a sudden he's swarmed by all those people. You know, in in real life, those people would have beat the shit out of him for <laughs> so that ticket. I really thought somebody <laughs> was going to grab it. Yeah, I thought when so I, too. Even as a kid. I was like, oh no, someone's going to grab it. But then it would have been random pedestrian in the chocolate factory instead of yeah, Charlie in the chocolate yeah, factory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. Girl number four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're not going to cover every single child's demise in the factory. But one of the coolest looking scenes to me has always been Mike TV's room where he gets it. The camera angle is completely different because really, for the most part, you know, the camera angle was a little more intimate, mm-hmm. I think. Once we get in that room, you know, the camera angles move back. All the happy colors are gone. Mm-hmm. All the nice soft edges are gone. Well, it's all white in there. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool how they did the effects in that scene. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to remember 1970 when they filmed this, the same no. technology that they have now. No, there's no CGI. No, exactly. So when seen from far away while in the TV. Yeah. They did that through blue screen. Um, oh, you mean the the actor was on a yeah. blue screen? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, when seen in the TV from close up, Paris, who plays Mike, was standing right. on a platform on a huge television set. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. The shot where Mrs. TV picks him up is a doll. Well, that was pretty obvious. Okay. I mean, the right. thing didn't move. But, right. But the single shot where uh, we see the close up of him dangling in his mom's fingers. Those giant fingers? Yeah. <laughs> that was him dangling from a styrofoam thumb and forefinger covered in fabric. <laughs> there you go. That's cool, though, right? That was cool. Listen, I bought it. Oh, sure. Even now, I buy it. You yeah, know, even yeah. though I know that it's fake, I buy it. Yeah. She puts him in the purse and then Willie goes to the Oompa Loompa and mm-hmm. says, all right, you know, take him down to the taffy stretching room. Yeah. Because it's good that boys are young and pliable. 
like we're just gonna put them on a rack and stretch them out. Nice. And I like in the Oompa Loompa like whispers, and you know, and Willie says, oh, "I won't hold you responsible." <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're down to just Charlie. Yep. Was there anything else after that, or they just get to the? Um, no, they at that uh, point they just get to the, the office. The best at the office. Yep. And yeah, Willie's just like he's like. Uh, well, I've wasted a whole day. Thank you for coming. Blah yeah, blah. Show yourself out the door. Yep. Poor Charlie's like, did we do something wrong? And I remember as a kid, I'm yeah. like, yeah. Wait a minute. But now as an adult, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you drank the friggin' fizzy. Yeah. And you almost got chopped up by a fan. So That's yeah. Right. Yeah, you did something wrong. Right. The scene in Willie's office. First off, the reason that everything's cut in half in his office. Awesome. Who the hell thought of that? That was great. The director said, you know, after we have this brilliant film with all these different colorful, wonderful, pure imagination sets, the idea of ending the movie in this dull office killed me. So we cut everything in half. Yeah. So it would be very Wonka-esque. Yeah. And I think maybe there could have been an argument to go into a regular office. And just be like, well, here's the juxtaposition of this life as imaginary and magic. And then here's the real world. But no, I'm glad that they did cut everything in half. Then, of course, you've got the big confrontation. Right. And the cool thing about that was that when they were rehearsing the scene, Mm -hmm. Gene Wilder was downplayed that. Right. Because the reactions that he gets from them are Mm -hmm. actually genuine because Peter Ostrom and Jack Albertson didn't know that he was going to blow up like that. Right. That was planned. And Gene Wilder was kind of bummed that he he couldn't tell Peter Ostrom Mm -hmm. ahead of time Mm -hmm. that he was just acting. Yeah. He wasn't really mad at him. Acting. Yeah. Because they kind of developed a nice little friendship. Sure. Well, you think about that. You know, as the movie's been going on, mm-hmm. all the kids are being offed. Right. And so Peter and Gene mm-hmm. had a lot of lunches together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they became very good friends. Mm-hmm. And I think you really, at the very end of the movie, when they hug each mm-hmm. other, I mm-hmm. mean, that really looks like Legitimate. a real happy hug. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gene, his expression just looked like it was so real. Yeah. And another thing that I read, too, that was kind of cool, in the original script, the last line in the movie was going to be Grandpa going, yippee, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. How lame. Yeah, well, that's what the director, he's like, oh, we can't end the movie on that. No. David Seltzer was the guy that did the rewrites on uh, Roald Dahl's Mm -hmm. original script. Right. So they called him at his vacation home in like Maine or something. (laughs) And they said, listen, we just got to the the end of the script and the last line is yippee. We can't have that. You got to come up with something better than that. And he came up with the line that actually is the ending of the movie where he says, you know what happened to the man who got everything? He lived happily ever after. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, as an adult watching that, you're just like, oh, man. Yeah. That's so cool. It's good stuff. Yeah. Charlie's getting what he deserves. Yeah. But know? the whole good day, sir, you get nothing. Well, that as a kid seeing that, it's so upsetting. It's, it's like, all right, upsetting. what did Charlie really do? And now here's you know, Willie, who seemed to be a pretty cool guy and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's just yelling, you signed this document and mm-hmm. you you lose, et cetera, et cetera. Vice Vita Vertum and all this, you know, <laughs> Latin crap. And he said, you know, you stole fizzy lifty drinks. You, you touched you the ceiling. Into the now ceiling. it has to be clean and sanitized. Right. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. It's so good. It's awesome. And even now, like, radio stations use that their games and stuff. Yeah. It's fantastic. Because it's such a great performance. As over the top as it is, it's very convincing. And it gives you the great payoff when Charlie does the, the good deed and he puts the gobstopper right. on the desk. Charlie overcomes his temptation. Yep. And he returns the gobstopper. Because it's Grandpa who says, as they're getting That's ready to right. leave, he says, 
I'm going to get even with that Wonka if it's the last thing I do, whatever. And, right, Charlie, yes. and Charlie's like, no. And he gives the gobstopper back to him. Yeah. And there you go. This movie really stands the test of time. Even as a cynical adult, I still appreciate the magic in the movie. Absolutely. And it's just so cool how he tells Charlie that he's giving him everything. Just the brilliance of saying that, you know, Charlie, I decided long ago that if I'm going to pass this on, because I can't go on forever. Right. And I don't really want to. I made a decision. This should be passed on to a child mm -hmm. because an adult would just want to do it their own way. Right. And not my way. Mm -hmm. And you're like, damn, he's so he's right. right. He's so right. This Willy Wonka. Somebody has to take care of the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. And he says that too. Yeah. yeah. Oompa Loompas. Yep. Ah, I don't think I got anything I, else, that's, bro. That's it for me, man. Like, I think we've exhausted Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There might be some things that we left out, but honestly, sure. I, I don't think we could end any better than that. Thanks to you for listening. As always, remember to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can contact me on Twitter at Jason Davis Voice. You can email us, screenfacts at yahoo.com. For all the different options of how to listen to the podcast, jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. You can also find out about merchandise there. Show theme music by audionautics.com. And thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Good day, sir! Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.